Good evening. I greet each of you in Jesus' name. It's a blessing to be together again. Blessing to spend time with, with you all. This evening, I'd like to look at a topic that a lot of a lot of us have heard many times. A lot of us have known all of our lives, but it's last night we talked about the two kingdoms: the kingdom of dark to this world and the kingdom of heaven. And tonight I'd like to just spend some time digging into God's word to see what we must do to become part of the kingdom of heaven. And as I said, it's something for us that are raised in Christians' hands, for us that have been Christians for a long time. We've heard many times, but it's also of great importance to hear it again and also for, for someone that has never accepted Jesus to hear, to hear what, what it means to become part of Christ's kingdom. Just on Sunday, we had our communion service at Sharon, at our home congregation, and Brother Clark Zimmerman preached his first his sermon for the first time, his first sermon since his ordination here several weeks ago. And he shared the story, just in preaching about the, the communion message, he said, we don't want the communion message to become old. We want to be reminded, we want to hear it, but yet we don't want it to become old. It's the same way with salvation. We want, we want it to be fresh, we want it to be new, we don't want it to be a repetition. He shared the story of I'm thinking it may have been his uncle. I need to ask again who it was, but his name was Elmer. And Elmer lived on a farm, and he was supposed to go out and mow the hay. And the hay field had a sinkhole. And before he went out to get the tractor, his dad told him, he said, Elmer, don't forget about the sinkhole. Don't drive the tractor into the sinkhole. His mom told him, Elmer, don't drive into the sinkhole. His brothers, they all told him, they reminded him multiple times, Elmer, don't drive into the sinkhole. So Elmer went out and mowed the hay. And he was happily mowing until he dropped the front axle of the tractor right into the sinkhole. And they asked him, Elmer, why did you drive into the sinkhole? And Elmer said, you told me so many times that I forgot what you said. And I think sometimes the same thing can happen in other areas of life where we, we hear something so many times or we hear something multiple times and we can, we can begin to tune out what's actually being said. So tonight, even if you know what's going to be said, even if you know what it means to be born again, I'm just going to ask us to open our, our hearts to hear God's word anew. That I just, my prayer is that our hearts would be tender, that we would receive God's word, that we would appreciate again what Christ has done for each of us. 
But before we get into the message, I'd just like to come before the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for for being God, thank you for for your word, for the opportunity to look into your word and to know that your word is truth. Lord, to just invite your spirit to work among us this evening. I ask your spirit to use me in a way that would bring honor and glory to you. I pray that your word would work among us, that your word would be spoken and Lord, just that your spirit would, would work in our lives, work in our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can turn with me to John chapter 3, where we find the account of Nicodemus coming to Jesus. And before we read that, I'm just going to ask a couple of questions. Am I born again? Are you born again? And how, how can we know if we're born again? And I hope as we go through, as we search God's word this evening, we can better answer those questions. And I believe each one of us that has accepted Christ as our personal Savior, we can answer that question with conviction because we know that we're born again. Can we be claimed to be born again when we're living, when we're part of the kingdom of this world? And again, we can't judge, cast judgment on someone else for that. But God gave us his word, his, the Holy Bible, where we can know his will for our lives. We can, it shows us how to be saved and it shows us how to live. John chapter 3. You must be born again. This is where Jesus tells Nicodemus that. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So here in verse 1, we see Nicodemus. It says he was a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. And we know from reading through scriptures that many of the Pharisees hated Jesus. 
they, there was many times because they, the reason they hated him is because they believed that Jesus was disobeying the law as they understood it, as they interpreted it. Jesus was disobeying that. And also there were times when Jesus spoke against the Pharisees because they stubbornly refused to believe. So apparently Nicodemus did not agree with all the other Pharisees because he came to learn from Jesus more of what he taught. He wanted to understand. And also, it says he came to Jesus by night. And to me, that would appear that he didn't want other people to know that he was coming and talking to Jesus. In verse 2, I notice it says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. And I I don't know Greek. I don't know if, if that is plural in the original translation or not. But we're going to view it as that. And the way he said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, in the plural sense, it would mean there must have been more that were saying he's a teacher from God. And it makes me wonder if some of these Pharisees that refused to believe knew that Jesus came from God. And his reason was saying, because for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So there were people that knew Jesus was from God because of the miracles, but yet they still refused to believe. Verse 3 and 4 Nicodemus. So Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus was puzzled by this because he is right away picturing a physical, natural birth. And he says, how can a man be born when he is old? You picture a full-grown man versus a tiny newborn baby and Nicodemus is saying it's just not possible five to eight Jesus explained that being born again is not another physical birth as Nicodemus was envisioning but rather you are born of the spirit Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then in verse 8, he uses the example of the wind to explain to Nicodemus what he was meaning. He's saying, being born of the Holy Spirit is, is like the wind. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So can you see the wind? We would all answer, no, you can't see the wind. Can you see where the wind is coming from? Again, no, you can't see where the wind is coming from. But you can see the results of the wind. You can see the trees bending. You can feel your coat and hair blowing. You can feel the force of the wind, but you can't see it. 
Hurricane Matthew hit Haiti in the fall of 2016. We were, it was two months after we moved there, and it came across the southern peninsula and just destroyed houses and trees and gardens across the south. And we saw that wind can change, totally change many things. One thing that I found amazing was the amount of palm trees that were snapped off or uprooted. When you picture a palm tree, it's just a thin pencil sticking up into the air. And God created palm trees to withstand tremendous wind. They're made to flex. They don't have much for the wind to grab a hold of. But even these trees were not able to stand against the 140 mile per hour plus wind gusts that blew for hours. I talked to some people that their house was being destroyed, the water was coming up, they lived close to the ocean. And he, the man I talked to said he had to crawl and drag his children be, beside him on the ground because he could not stand up in the wind. The wind was tremendous. We could see the many different things that happened from the wind, but yet not a single person saw the wind. Jesus said it's the same way for someone that's born again. We cannot see someone that being born again, but we will see a change in them. For we ourselves, when we're born again, we can't see the Holy Spirit. We don't see the Holy Spirit just come and blow us away. You don't see anything. But you feel it. You know it's true. You know it's real. There's no doubt. We'll feel the change as the Spirit works in us. As it shows us how to live for God. As it convicts us of sin in our lives. As it encourages us, encourages us in our walk with Christ. We cannot see the Spirit, but we can see Him work. We can see the results of His work. In these verses we just read, Jesus says, Ye must be born again. And He's this does not mean that you don't have a choice. It's not like Jesus is just coming and getting you and saying, here you, you must be born again. That's not what he's saying. But instead he's saying, in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven, in order to become part of the kingdom of heaven, the only way is if you are born again. It's the only way to see the kingdom of God. We still have a choice, a personal choice, each one of us has to make. I can't make a decision for you. You can't make a decision for me. It's a personal decision. Parents can't make decisions for us. Friends can't make decisions for us. You decide if you will serve Christ or serve Satan. The choice is up to you. Some people say, I'm a good person. I do good things. 
but yet they're not willing to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They're not willing to allow the Spirit to come and work in their lives. But they, they still think that God will see the good things they're doing, and when the time comes for them to die, somehow there's good things. God will see that and allow them to enter heaven. But my friends, the Bible is very clear. Jesus is very clear. There's only one way to heaven. And that is, if you're born again. So we each have a choice. But there's only two choices. So many times, we as humans, we wish for a third choice. Just like the people that say, I'm a good person. We want a third option. But there's only two. Only two. You can choose to accept Jesus and go to heaven. Or you can choose to reject him and miss heaven. And even if we decide to just make no decision, that is rejection of Christ. Because there is no third choice. The choice is yes to Jesus or no. So why were we given this option? Why were we given the option of being born again? Becoming part of Christ's kingdom. We drop down in, in chapter 3, down to verse 16. 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the reason... The reason Jesus came and died for our sins is because God loved the world. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? So that anyone who believes in him would not perish. Jesus didn't come to condemn. In verse 17, Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save. And just as there are only two choices... There's also only two results of these choices. As we see in these verses, it's either everlasting life or condemnation. Jesus came to save us, but the choice is up to you and I. So how can we be saved? How can I be born again of the Spirit? How can we invite something that we don't see. Like wind. We don't have control of the wind. We can't tell the wind to blow here. We can't tell the wind to blow there. We can't tell the wind to stop blowing. And if the Spirit is like the wind, how can we expect, or how can we ask the Spirit to move in us how can I be born of the Spirit? Turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3. Verse 23. So how can I be born of the Spirit? First of all, you must believe. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned 
and come short of the glory of God. This is the very first step in allowing the Spirit to work, in allowing the Spirit to move us, to recognize that I'm a sinner, to recognize that all have sinned, and as this verse says, come short of the glory of God. Because of that sin, because of that sin, that sin separates me from the glory of God. We turn back to chapter 6, again in verse 23. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in chapter 3, we saw the need to recognize that I am a sinner. I have sinned. Then verse in chapter 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. Because of that sin, I deserve to die for it. The only payment is death. So I had to realize, because of my sins, I deserve to die. The last part of the verse, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We need to realize I'm a sinner. I deserve to die and then believe in Jesus. And believe that it's only through Him that I can be saved from that sin. We just read in John 3.16 that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish. I have to believe that Jesus did come to this world, that He did die for my sins. Turn back one chapter in Romans to chapter 5, verse 8. For God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I was still a sinner, long before I made the choice to follow Christ, he had died for my sins. He didn't wait till I repented. He died. He took the place, hit my place on the cross for my sins. Because of my sins, I deserved to die. I deserved to be the one hanging on that cross. Because of your sins, you deserved to be the one hanging on that cross. But because of Jesus' love for you, because of Jesus' love for me, He took our place long before any one of us made a decision to love Him. So if I believe that, what's next? I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Romans chapter 10, <clears throat> verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So these verses tell us another very important part of the Spirit working. A very important part of of being born again. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I must tell others that I believe in Jesus and what he has done for me. So if I realize that I'm a sinner, if I'm sorry for those sins, if I understand that Jesus died on the cross for those sins, and if I believe that he rose again from the dead, the next thing is to ask him to forgive us for those sins, to pray to Christ, to Jesus. Repent of our sin. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. And that is when that wind begins to blow. That is when the Spirit begins to work. That is when we see the results of the wind of the Holy Spirit. Tell others that you believe in Jesus and what he has done for you. She says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Tell your friends, tell your family, become part of the Christian brotherhood. The choice is yours. Jesus died for you. He died for me. Whether we make the choice to follow him or not, he already made the choice to die for our sins. And he wants each one of us to make the choice to follow him, to be his disciple. And also, part of confessing with your mouth, he wants us to be telling others about how we've been born again. He wants us to share that experience to share how the Spirit worked in our lives. Because it's just like the wind. If there's not something to show for what the wind did, you don't even know the wind was there. If we accept Christ into our hearts, but make no changes, don't talk to anybody, how can the Spirit work? when we don't allow the Spirit to move. So does it stop there? Once we accept Christ, we're born again. Is that the end of the story? If you, all, if you do all of this, are we free to do as we wish after that? Can we live exactly as we did before? And I think we would all answer that question, no, absolutely not. Turn back two more chapters in Romans, Romans chapter 12. This is speaking to those of us that have accepted Christ as our Savior. We're born again. We're living for Christ. 
Verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, pre ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the, this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 2 sounds very familiar. It, it, would, it falls right into what we were talking about last night, about the two kingdoms. So before Jesus came and died for our sins, the only way for man's sins to be forgiven was to be, for an animal to be killed, for blood to be shed, and a sacrifice to God. And these verses is asking us, as Christians, as disciples of Christ, to give our bodies a living sacrifice to God. And this means we need to live our lives according to God's word. Be not conformed to this world. Follow the teachings of Jesus. Allow Christ to use us in his kingdom. Sometimes the things he asks us to do might not make sense to me. It might not make sense to you. You're saying, why would God ask me to do that? But a question I ask, does the Bible have to make sense to us as humans in order for us to obey it? Does God's plan for our lives have to make sense in our human reasoning in order for us to obey? No, it does not. The reason for that is because we don't see the big picture. We don't see tomorrow. We like to think that we can look into the future and we can see if I do this, this is what's going to happen. But we don't know. Only God does. We're not to be conformed to this world. Instead, we, we are to be transformed. We're, we must allow the Holy Spirit to change us. A transformation. I'm trying to think of a, a good illustration for a transformation. But if I would go into that room and change into a clown suit and come back out and start preaching. I would call that a transformation, a total change. I don't plan to do that, but you get what I'm saying. A transformation is I'm no longer the person that I used to be. Allow the Holy Spirit to change us and to show us how to grow in our Christian life. Is it possible for someone to say they're a Christian and not be born again? And the answer is yes. Think about the candy bar illustration. That can happen way too quickly where we do the right things, we say the right things, but yet in our hearts, we're not submitting to God. We're not born again. We're not living right. 
If you have not truly surrendered your life to Jesus, you are not born again. If your body is not a living sacrifice, you have not surrendered to Jesus. And I'll just share a testimony from my life. I accepted Christ in my early teens. But as I grew older, I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted control over tomorrow. And I made choices accordingly. And I know I was not living a life surrendered to Christ. My life was not transformed. We had weekend meetings at church and Sunday evening message. I don't even remember what the message was about. But the Spirit had been working in my life for quite some time. I was thinking a lot more seriously about life. And as I was sitting there listening to the message, these words came to me. It was, it was like an audible voice speaking to me. It said, you've asked me to be your Savior, but you've never allowed me to be your Lord. You've asked me to be your Savior, but you've never allowed me to be your Lord. That night I recommitted my life to the Lord. And I'm a changed man. Only by the grace of God. So for those of us that are Christians, that have been Christians for a long time, am I still converted? Do I still have a new heart? Is my life still transformed? And what evidence can I find that I'm born again? And I'm not asking these questions to cause fear or to cause doubt on the assurance of salvation. But I do believe each one of us is going to know without a doubt if we are living for Christ. If we're living in victory. And if you're living in victory, hallelujah, praise God. That is what we want to do. That is why we're coming to church. That is why we're reading the Bible. That is why we're living for Christ. Because we're born again. Because we have a transformed life. There's no need for fear if we're living a life that is surrendered to Christ. But there is a need for fear if we're not. And that is my, my cry this evening. That we... Think about our lives. I read the verses, John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 5 in the children's class. I'll just turn to them.
1 John chapter 2. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. I say I know God, but do not keep his commandments. I'm a liar, and I don't know the truth. But whoever obeys God's word, in him is God's love made perfect. This is how we can know if we're saved. This is how we can know if we're born again. If we're taking God's word, if we're applying it to our lives, if we're living a life that is surrendered to Christ. If we're doing things that we know the Bible says not to do, it is sin. But if I refuse to do something that the Bible asks me to do, that is sin as well. If, if Jesus asks us not to do something and we do it anyway, it is sin. If Jesus asks us to do something and refuse to do it, that is sin as well. Either way, you are disobeying God. And these verses tell us, if you disobey God, the truth is not in you. If the truth is not in you, you cannot be saved. May each of us continue to study God's word. May we continue to apply his word to our lives. And again, I'm not saying this to scare us, to think that what if there's something in the Bible that I've missed? What if there's something in the Bible that Jesus is saying we're to do and I don't, I'm not doing it because I don't know to do it? That is not what we're talking about. It's when we know this is what the Bible is saying and we refuse to obey In the book of James, in chapter 2, we find the verses that speak about faith and works. I'm not going to turn there to read it. You can read it in your devotions tomorrow or sometime. But it's talking about faith and works. Some people say we only need faith. Others say works is what gets us to heaven. James is saying we need both. We need faith and works. And I heard a story once of a man that he lived along a river and he had a small ferry boat, a rowboat, that he would ferry people back and forth across the river as they needed, travelers that were coming through. And there were some travelers coming through. They got on his boat going across. And they noticed that on his oars, the one oar he had painted faith, the other oar he had painted works. And he was rowing, and they asked him, why do you have that painted on your oars? And he said, well, there's some people we think we need faith to get to heaven. There's some people think we need works to get to heaven. And I believe we need both. 
And I'll just show you. So I'm going to stop rowing with the one oar for a while. We're just going to depend on faith. He rowed with faith for a while and they made a big circle. He said, actually, let's use works instead. So he rowed with works. And they went in a circle the other way. He said, we need faith and we need works. And he used that as a testimony. So yes, we need faith in Christ. We need to believe that he has saved us. But we also need to apply his word to our lives. We need to obey what he's asking us to do. Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians six, verse fourteen through eighteen. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with, righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. These verses remind us we cannot be a part of the world and a child of God. God tells us if we live according to his word, he will be a father to us and we will be his sons and daughters. My prayer is that each one of us would have a desire to have God as our father, that we would live according to Christ's teaching. We would apply it literally to our lives. And that we would ask God to show us his will. That we would allow his spirit to work in our hearts. That we would allow the wind of the spirit to blow in our lives. To change us. To mold us. To make us better. And that through our lives, that spirit would blow on the people around us, and change the people around us. We cannot see the wind, but we can see the results of the wind. I'm going to give an invitation tonight, an opportunity. To ask the Spirit to work in your life. And ask Brother Dave to lead us in an imitational hymn. If you're not born again, and you realize that God is calling you, if you sense the Spirit 
speaking to you. If you understand what Christ has done, I ask you to either come forward or to stand or to find someone to talk to. Go ahead, Brother Dave. whether you have sin in your life or just simply never allowed Christ to be Savior and Lord, or if you know that he is not Lord of your life now, just ask you to take this time to repent of that and to allow Christ to be Lord and Savior. Let's sing another verse. feel the Spirit has spoke to you this evening, if you feel the Spirit working in your life, I just beg you to find someone to talk to, one of your ministry, your parents, a close friend. If the Spirit is speaking, don't quench him, don't tell him to be quiet. That is a very, very dangerous place to be. And if you feel the Spirit just telling you to continue on, to continue to grow, to continue to learn, then again, we'll say, praise God. Let's allow the Spirit to continue to work in us. Let's allow the Spirit to move us. Let's continue to grow closer together as a brotherhood to continue to advance Christ's kingdom and to be a light so that the Spirit of God can move and blow on 
the world around us. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. God in heaven, thank you for another opportunity to look into your word. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, for making a way for us that we have no reason to fear tomorrow. We have no reason to fear Satan and his temptations because we know that you are more powerful, that your spirit can and will work among us if we allow him to. Lord, just pray that your spirit would work mightily among us and that we would be willing to allow your spirit to work. Lord, give us a renewed desire for you. Give us a renewed desire to tell other people about you. And God, if there's anyone here this evening that is in need of you, God, I just pray that you would not give them peace until they have come to a place of accepting you. They would not have peace until they have given up the selfish desires. And Lord, help each one of us to become more like you, to want to serve you more, to want to serve you better, and to want to shine your light to the world around us. Pray this in Jesus' name.